I'm Jonathan Goldstein, host of Wiretap. Each week you're invited to listen in on my telephone conversations, whether funny, sad, wistful, or even slightly strange. You never know just what you might hear on Wiretap. Uh, I mean, I knew you had a show. I just, I just didn't think that people actually listened to it. Howard, That's you... the breath of your genius, Jonathan. It's not just that you're funny, but you can be cripplingly, poignantly depressing. The Wiretap Archives, available on CBC Listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Introducing the starting lineup for St. Patrick's Fighting Irish from Ottawa. I just have those images of just kind of us walking in to the gym and being like, wow, okay, we were chosen to be here and we have our place here and just kind of feeling that sense of importance, you know. That competitive fire and passion that they have, like they just wanted to win. It's the year 2000. The world has recently not ended with Y2K. Britney Spears is the biggest pop star on the planet, with Beyonce closing in as one-third of Destiny's Child. The Weakest Link and Big Brother are the hot new shows on TV. You are the Weakest Link. Goodbye. The Olympics are in Sydney, Australia, where athletes' hopes and dreams are being turned to gold or else dashed as the summer games wrap up. And on a basketball court in Saskatchewan, a group of teenage boys are shooting for their own dreams to win the Reebok Invitational High School Basketball Tournament. From Ottawa, meet the St. Patrick's Fighting Irish. First up, our power forward, Alain Vixamar. Hi, my name is uh, Alain Vixamar. I was a member of the St. Patrick's Senior Boys basketball team from 1999 to 2000. And the position that I played was power forward and center. The team depends on the power forward to shoot mid-range jumpers, play defense, and play from the inside, while the center is often the tallest player on the team, blocking shots from the opposing players and scoring close rebound shots. Next up, our rookie. Hello, my name is Ali Mahmoud, and I played point guard for the St. Patrick's Fighting Irish in the year 99-2000. Ali was one of the younger players on the team, one of only four grade 11s, while everybody else was in grade 12, or... OAC, the old grade 13. And I I was like a very good rebounder. He is a comical guy. Quiet, comical guy, but he's a comical guy. And that is the big guy, metaphorically, but also literally checking in at 6'1", team captain Dion Williams. Hello, my name is Dion Williams. I played on the St. Patrick's High School basketball team from 1999 till 2000. On top of being captain, Dion played point guard. That's the person who sets up the plays. It's a bit like being the quarterback, but in basketball. I think for the coaches, I was kind of the middleman. There was a few of us that, you know, were the pulse of the team. You could determine how the team was going to perform based upon myself and maybe a few other teammates. So yeah, from the coach's perspective, I was that. From players, I was one of the guys that guys looked up to. My voice had merit when I said something. These three men, Dion, Elaine, and Ali, played basketball together as teenagers at St. Patrick's High School, a Catholic high school in South Ottawa. It was the 1999-2000 school year. The St. Pat's Fighting Irish had traditionally been a strong team. Winners. But not national champions. But that year, the senior boys team would do something they would remember for the rest of their lives. I'm Macy Rowe, and this is The Doc Project. Most sports stories end with the last touchdown, or goal, the ball rolling around the hoop and sinking in, that final score. Crowd cheers, team celebrates, the end. But this is a story about how the big game echoes, like sneakers on a gym floor, for decades after the locker room empties and everyone goes home. This is a group of guys whose lives were formed by basketball, and one specific game that lives on in their hearts It's an experience that still shapes many of the players' lives today. CBC Ottawa journalist Jennifer Chen will take it from here. Almost all the players on St. Pat's fighting Irish basketball team lived in the south end of Ottawa. 
Today, the community has a suburban feel, with some remaining high-rise residential blocks. It's going through a massive and controversial redevelopment due to the city's housing crunch, with dozens of residents getting evicted for new builds. But Alain Vixamar, the power forward, says it was different 20 years ago when he was growing up there. It was a mix, basically, uh, lower to mid-class, I guess you can say working class, culturally as well, very diverse. And um, given the, the social economic composition of the area, it was an area that, that had challenges. Uh, example, I remember just leaving my bike out um, just in front of the house just so I can go get something to drink. And by the time I came out, my bike was gone. And my mom had, had just bought it, you know. So there's just different things in the neighborhood like that that would happen. Um, and it just gives you kind of a little bit of a feel for, for what it was like around there. Um, that being said, obviously, you know, it's uh, as a kid, you know, you, you just play. So there's a lot of things that uh, a lot of good memories, just having fun. Um, it's just looking back and as, adult, as an adult, you're able to kind of kind of see the difference of things, I guess. Team captain Dion Williams lived there when he was younger, but by the time he was in high school, he was commuting from a different neighborhood. The community itself, you're not talking about large single-family homes with large acreages of grass. You're essentially talking about high-density areas where we all know when you put a lot of people in a certain area, unfortunately, conflict's going to happen. So to the outside community, I would say to the Ottawa general community, I guess the south of Ottawa around St. Pat's was looked upon as dangerous or a place you would avoid late at night. Having said that, those within the community wouldn't say that, right? To those within the community, they would feel safe, comfortable. Point guard Ali Mahmoud also grew up there. Well, it's completely different now because they tore down the whole neighborhood and they, they build like new buildings. From what I remember, there's projects and behind it, it's a big field and there's basketball courts, a baseball diamond, a park. So it was easy to play. Everything was beside each other and all the kids in the community get together. It, it was fun. It was always, you're always with a group of people. You know what I mean? Ali's time was spent with his extended family while his parents ran the Lebanese restaurant they owned. They worked seven days a week, uh, would open up the restaurant. I, my mom was the waitress and my dad was the chef. So they were busy. We were always with the family a lot. I'm Lebanese, so I have a really big family, and a lot of my family is in Ottawa. So I, I had a lot of cousins. and So most of my friends, my closest friends, were my family because we're just always together. So that, that's my childhood. Ali says he heard about drugs and crime in the neighborhood. Of course you're aware of it. Of course you know who's doing drugs and whatnot. But I, I wasn't, like, I wasn't with the people that were doing it. I wasn't, I was like a stay-at-home kind of kid. Once school is done, I go home unless I, I got to go somewhere. So it was kind of easier to stay out of trouble. But Dion says that wasn't the case for everyone. Unfortunately, those in, like, in the lower economical areas of the city, if we're specifically talking St. Pat's here, the south of Ottawa, when there are no outside community activities, such as basketball teams, soccer teams, volleyball, badminton, etc., kids don't know what to do. And that leaves them susceptible to, you know, bad things happening. Sometimes I did get in those situations and sometimes I didn't. But as I grew older, you know, basketball was able to to provide me a an outlet, number one, but it filled up my schedule so I knew I wasn't, I didn't have to be in those situations. It didn't allow me to be in those situations. By high school, Ali, Dion, and Alain had been playing basketball for years, since they were eight or nine years old. Ali Mahmoud says it meant everything to them. Me and my friends, basketball was our life. Uh, from watching NBA, from just going to all the courts, all my friends played ball. Uh, it really is a lifestyle. It became like what we do, everything. I shouldn't say this. I remember that we would skip school sometimes and, and go to like local parks, like five of us walk around, play whoever we could play and then go on to the next part. Who, who, who's next? You know what I mean? We just loved basketball. We had a love for the game. and It was our life. Dion Williams says basketball helped him deal with a lot of what he was going through as a teenager. It was a centerpiece, to be honest. I guess for me, 
mental health wasn't something that was discussed back then. Um, so the pressures that life threw at me from a day-to-day -day basis were removed when I was on the basketball floor. In addition to that, it allowed me to express myself, my stresses, my worries, my desires, whatever the case may be within the confines of the basketball floor um, and in the practice environment, which helped tremendously. Something simple as having, well, it's not simple, but having a bad day, wanting to talk to a girl and she didn't talk to me or getting something bad on the test. I was able to take those pressures out on the basketball floor, which removed that mental stress after basketball, which allowed me to focus and, you know, develop as a human being where some people that, that just wasn't possible, right? Alain says his time on the court allowed him to get rid of negative energy. I think basketball at that point in my life was an outlet. It was an opportunity for me to be able to disconnect in a positive way. To not think about challenges, problems, just kind of go out there, have fun, but do something that was constructive. But mostly I would say it was just, it was an outlet. You know, it was just a moment where I could just go out there, have fun and just kind of let loose. Dion says that for many, basketball was a way of filling a void. My eldest brother was out in the working force. My other sister was outside the house. She was in university. My other sister was in the process of moving to the U.S. to start her life. So literally it was just me and my mom. My mom was working two jobs. So yeah, it was, literally it was basketball that, that you know, was my life. Unfortunately, most of my teammates, as well as most people in school, didn't come from nuclear families. They were broken families. So in order to make ends meet, that one guardian parent, whomever, was generally working more than two jobs, at a minimum two jobs. So therefore, that family time, that bonding, that building of relationships with, you know, guardian, mom, dad, father, kids, siblings, it's just not there, right? So as you grow older, you look for those bonds through friendships. And it's kind of what builds the community and why why the community is the way it is, is because, you know what? That person's been there for me from the time I was 10 because, you know what? My mom or my dad was working two jobs. So I would sleep over there. So when I get older, like, I look at them as a brother or a sister and I have that bond. The friendships built around basketball and their love and dedication to the game became the spark for the St. Pat's team. Michael Rowley was one of the team's coaches. They were friends on and off the court. Uh, and so they, they, you, you would see the, the group of basketball players hanging out, not just when it came time to play basketball. And I think quite a few of them are still lifelong friends to this day, right? So it's that chemistry was a big piece. You know, me and Ali grew up in the same neighborhood and... Um, and I remember we, we basically would go a lot of times on the same basketball court and we'd play. And I remember there was, I don't know what it was, there was just a shift. His, his skill set just grew exponentially. Um, and his basketball IQ, um, he just became an amazing player in, in such a little time. And I mean, he wasn't the biggest guy, um, you know, but there was, there was something that just happened that he just... Uh, he would just kind of take over games and what he was able to do. Alain was a beast. He was like very physical. <laughs> he was big too. So he was just, I remember him just shouldering people under the basket, and, you know, getting layups that way, always under the basket. He was the muscle of the team. Like we were a fast paced team. So I remember just trying to put on a show. Like we would try to put on a show, try to get the fans into it, us be into it. And we were winning a lot. So it was fun. Like, I played basketball for a long time, and this was one of the times I was, like, really happy, enjoying playing basketball, enjoying the game. Coach Michael Rowley says the players' enjoyment of the game was one of the things that gave them an edge. The intangibles, the things that you can't coach, right? Like, their competitive fire, their hard work, their own passion for and love for basketball. Those are all things that a coach hopes to get. I also had great leadership within the team, too. Part of that leadership came from Dion Williams, the team's captain. Dion was like a playmaker. He'd 
he would try to make his teammates better, and he was a good defender. Alain Vixamar is still close to Dion. He remembers what he was like on the court. He just had a uh, laser focus in terms of getting things done. On the court, he just had a very uh, no-nonsense mentality, you know? And that was something very rare uh, for somebody at that point in our lives and at that age, you know, just being on the court, he would pass you the ball once. If you dropped it, you might not get a pass again, <laughs> you know, and there was just that kind of no-nonsense, uh, hard-nosed mentality um, that Dion definitely, definitely had that was part of his DNA. Team captain Dion Williams says there were three elements which elevated their team that year from a bunch of friends who like playing to something exceptional. The first would be everyone's individual desire to achieve. We knew we had something. Like there was there was a point where it clicked. I think for me it might have been grade 12 when we went to Toronto and we played a highly ranked team and they talked a lot of trash and we beat them. And it was like, you know, it's, you see it in sport where you see that rookie or see that amateur take that step, that next step. Um, for us, in terms of an understanding of Ottawa, like we didn't feel inferior to Toronto. Um, so then coming back the next year, it was like, okay, you know what? We all know we kind of have to do something a little different, but we still got to, you know, keep our foot on the pedal. Um, to the, the understanding that, you know, majority of us were graduating, like this is it, right? Um, so having that in the back of your head, like, let's give it our all. Three, we knew we had the ability to do something, but the lineage of St. Pat's has been a basketball powerhouse. And that competitive desire to be better than the previous years was also something that drove us. And we knew it. Um, so therefore, we took the extra steps, whether that was working a little extra harder in practice, spending time doing extra conditioning, starting the season even earlier than we did previously. Like we, we took those little steps, but they were building blocks. That 1999-2000 regular season, the St. Patrick's Fighting Irish went virtually unbeaten in Ottawa. They also played tournaments and won against the best teams in Ontario. Almost every weekend, they were away competing on the court, and often, games and practices took up much of their week. By now, Dion and Alain were in grade 13, and the grueling roster of games across the province raised a number of issues. Coach Michael Rowley says it wasn't easy for the players. Finances were not easy. Like We were a, a team that, in order to get competition, had to leave the city. We were going to tournaments in Toronto five, six, seven times a year, and those are expensive. And so we did a ton of fundraising. At the time, we were doing car washes and we made programs and we got local businesses to, to help donate money. And we, we, we did anything and everything we could to raise money. And, and, and in that particular year, we raised $10,000. This is Dion. We were dealing with real life issues. Um, and it was, it was hard, whether it was a classmate coming in and saying, hey, you know what? My parent got deported. Or it's like, hey, you know what? I can't play a sport because I have to get a job to make ends meet, to keep the lights on at night. There was also stuff going on at school that he couldn't make sense of at the time. It's the highs and the lows. Like it's, you know, like one day, you know, you're literally, you're pulling up and it's like, oh my gosh, there's cops outside. What are they doing? And then somebody gets arrested. And, you know, literally the next month, the mayor's outside our school congratulating people at the school. So it's, it's one of those things where, as a teen, as a youth, um, there's nobody really there, you know, putting this into perspective. You kind of have to form your own context and perspective and, and, and understand it. Um, and it's not until later in life that you really do, because, you know, nobody's telling you, that, you know, what, this is life. There are drug dealers. You know what? This is life. There are, you know, political dynamics to the education system, right? Um, nobody's really telling you that until you get older and you realize it. Alain, for his part, was frustrated by his personal situation. For myself, yeah, it was, there was a struggle at that point in my life. Just a lot of anger, just a lot of resentment about just certain things maybe that I didn't have in my life. 
Alain was born in Quebec, but moved to Ottawa South when he was young. His parents had emigrated from Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Alain says that as a teen, he didn't get to spend much time with his dad. He made a decision at some point in life to basically move away. I mean, we kept in touch, obviously, you know, there was a relationship that was there. It's just that the parental role and the parental responsibility fell mostly on my mother. I think like any, any Haitian mother, a lot of times, they're just very resilient, you know? So she's basically the one that, that raised me and my sister. That also had an impact in terms of me growing up, you know? I would have wanted more of a father figure to be there and have that level of support just to kind of counterbalance some of the things I was experiencing. And just that challenge of growing up, having to face the world and having somewhat of a support system, but at times feeling like it's insufficient. At that point in my life, basketball was such an important part of my life and it was such a great outlet for me that I'm like, if I didn't have that to that extent, I don't know where I'd be. The team was practicing a lot, playing a lot, and also winning a lot, which wasn't a given for a team from Ottawa competing outside the city. Among the high-level tournaments they entered that season were the Silver Fox in Hamilton and the All-Catholic in St. Catharines. They even played an exhibition game against the renowned DeMatha High School from the U.S., coached by Basketball Hall of Famer Morgan Wooten. In that game, they took their opponents to the final seconds before losing at the very end. But their biggest competition still lay ahead. Coach Michael Rowley says that at one point, St. Pat's was considered one of the top four teams in the country. So they applied to play in a national tournament in Saskatchewan, an invitational event backed by Reebok. One team would be chosen for each province based on the strength of the team and the story they told in their application. In St. Pat's case, they included the players' personal journeys, their successful season, and the massive fundraising they had undertaken. In the end, St. Patrick's Fighting Irish was selected to represent the province of Ontario. BJ Charles was the point guard for the team. It was pretty cool because, you know, we first off, we were, we were representing Ontario. It was, it was the best team that they felt from each province. Back then, like Ontario and Ottawa specifically, we didn't really get much respect for being great basketball players, right? So it was really an opportunity for us to be like, Ontario and specifically Ottawa has some really, really great basketball players. Of course, getting to Saskatchewan would be expensive, but the team was in luck. Reebok uh, at the time sponsored one team per province and territory, and they were going to be willing to pay all expenses for that team to travel to Saskatchewan and compete in this sort of informal national tournament. Each kid and coach got a full sort of uh, kit of shoes and shorts and shirts and uniforms and, and all those kind of things to represent Ontario. Like We became Team Ontario. I have to tell you, like it was in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and you can imagine most of these kids have never flown on a flight, first of all. Those that have, have never been to the heart of the Canadian prairies where uh, most of your views are wheat fields, right, or, or open, uh, open areas. Dion remembers that time vividly. I remember one guy on our team, it was his first time on a flight since coming to Canada. That experience of like a stewardess going up and saying, hey, would you like a, a Coke? Would you like this? Would you like that? And his response is looking to us like, we got to pay for this? I have no money, right? It's like, he didn't know. <laughs> like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, those are great experiences because it's like, that's how you grow, right? One guy had to get a passport. Like, you know, this guy was 17 going on 18, didn't have a passport. Like, you know, putting that in perspective because of a basketball that's happening. Ali remembers the free gear. We got a pair of Allen Iverson shoes and uh, a warm-up shirt. I remember that it was very important. And I remember it was very cold in, in Saskatchewan. For Alain, it was a glimpse of what a future in basketball could be. It was their first taste of what playing professionally might be like. Having cameras around, recording the games, free gear. I just have those images of just kind of us walking in to the gym and being like, wow, okay, like we were chosen to be here. The team settled in their hotel rooms for the three-day tournament, then started sizing up their opponents. 
Their first match against Miles McDonald Collegiate from Winnipeg was a tough one, but St. Pat's defeated them by seven points. Then they faced Alberta, who they also defeated, and next came Newfoundland, who they beat handily, to find themselves facing Nova Scotia in the semifinals. Hi, my name is John Kowarton, um, and I played center and power forward. You could see the different styles from around the country. Our toughest one was playing against Nova Scotia. Uh, I, I remember we were in the semifinals and we were losing, I think we were losing by like eight with under a minute to go. Actually, this is probably one of my most vivid memories. There was a guy who was right under the basket and he just had to make a layup to put Nova Scotia in the lead and they missed the shot. And we ended up coming back to win that game. And if that had gone down, we wouldn't have made it to the final. And honestly, I think going into the tournament, us and Nova Scotia were the favorites and we ended up meeting in the semifinals. Uh, and so the winner of that game, I think people thought we would, would end up going on to win the championship. St. Pat's had just beaten the favorites, so expectations were high, but they'd never played with this kind of national attention before. And so in the championship game, we played British Columbia. CTV was covering the tournament in Saskatoon. Dion Williams got a recording of the final game, which he's kept all these years. Make no mistake, there are national high school bragging rights on the line. East meets West when Ontario St. Patrick's Fighting Irish meets BC St. Thomas Aquinas Fighting Saints. It's the final of the Reebok Invitational. And we didn't just want to go out there and win. We wanted to blow that team out from BC because forever BC, people were just like, the top player in Canada hails from BC. It was just like, no, like the, the best players come from Ottawa. Introducing the starting lineup for St. Patrick's Fighting Irish from Ottawa. At guard number 33, six foot one, grade 13, Dion Williams. Also at guard number five, six foot one, in grade 12, BJ Charles. We wanted to make sure that we dominated him, and we did. The two guards for St. Pat's in there working hard and setting each other up by getting the offensive glass. And one of my keys was the boards. Who's dominating the boards right now? It's all St. Pat's, and that surprises me. My name is Titus Mihedi. I played uh, point guard and shooting guard. We had, you know, great shooting. We had great passing. We had great defense. We had great size inside. You know, everybody was skilled. British Columbia, they come in with a record of 23 and 4. We really controlled the game from start to finish. Shot can't find the range, and once again, St. Pat strong on the boards, and you mentioned. I think we won by 35, 40 points that game. Against all expectations, St. Pat's Fighting Irish won the championship. And after we won, it was uh, it was great. You know, and then watching it on national TV, you know, my family's watching it, and they're and I'm calling my dad every day, my mom. And, you know, it was it's just a, just an experience. It was great. You know, a kid asked me for an autograph and I, I was like shocked, you know, at that age to like sign a paper with my name on it. Dion Williams was chosen most valuable player. To be honest, like it helped me go, right? I'm on national TV talking about basketball and they're talking about me as a high school kid. And there's no one else who can say that, right? That in, in winning tournament MVP, doing all of that, like that was phenomenal. And then I guess just the whole experience, getting on a plane, doing all of that. And for me, that would be, those would be the, the two. Um, like I, as I'm saying this right now, I'm getting goosebumps. Ali also remembers the media exposure. I had a picture in the newspaper, like going up for a layup. They were talking about we had won a game and the picture of the article was me going up for a layup. So at that age, I was like, wow, you know, I'm in the newspaper, it's, it's cool, you know. I'm, I'm famous. <laughs> All of the young men who were there that day still remember it two decades later. What they couldn't know then is how basketball would continue to influence their lives in the years ahead. AC here. Coming up, what happens to a high school all-star after the big game. Sit tight.
I'm Jonathan Goldstein, host of Wiretap. Each week you're invited to listen in on my telephone conversations, whether funny, sad, wistful, or even slightly strange. You never know just what you might hear on Wiretap. Uh, I mean, I knew you had a show. I just, I just didn't think that people actually listened to it. You... That's the breath of your genius, Jonathan. It's not just that you're funny, but you can be cripplingly, poignantly depressing. The Wiretap Archives, available on CBC Listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Basketball, as we know, is big, 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 big business. It's a narrative that continues to be told, even though I think it's even less true now than back then, is that this is a socioeconomic solution to your your challenges, that you're going to make your way out the hood through using your body as a vehicle to propel your family into another class or opportunity. Uh even for the young men who believe that they can get themselves to the NCAA, uh, playing even here at the highest levels here in Canada or playing somewhere else around the world. Uh, my name is Adrian Cadet. I'm an educator, one of uh, five co-hosts of Black on Black, and I'm a community advocate and activist here in the nation's capital. Adrian Cadet coached the St. Patrick's Senior Boys team in the years leading up to 1999. She remembers many of the players who also came to her community program. A community drop-in basketball program. Myself and Andrew Waterman, my coaching partner, uh, did that program every Wednesday night at Heron Road, which was a pretty big draw, uh, especially for the young men who came to the program every week. And um, my concerns uh, then remain the same concerns I would have now um, and and speak to young players about, you know, are you making sure that basketball is something that you can use as a vehicle to get the things that you need and want from your life, if that's what you want to do, or is basketball the vehicle somebody else is using so that they can make their way forward? And what are you going to get from this arrangement? After high school, all of the players went their separate ways. Team captain Dion Williams used his skills in basketball to earn a sports scholarship at St. Francis Xavier University in Antigonish, Nova Scotia. There's an old saying, use basketball, don't let it use you. Um, And, you know, I'm a firm believer in that because I've seen it happen so many times. Um... I'm proud to say, you know, I used basketball and it didn't use me. Dion played university basketball for four years while he got a degree in business administration. We won a national championship, won awards, won team awards, um, had a great time. I really enjoyed my university experience. Wear the X-Ring proudly as an ex-alumni. Yeah, have relationships that to this day are still, yeah, I'll forever have relationships with people, so... All, all because of basketball, right? Dion made his way back to Ottawa in 2007, but it took a while for him to find the right field. I went into the healthcare field um, where I've been for the last, oh boy, 10 years, um, and then made the transition over to mortgages. Um, so I'm a mortgage broker. I help people uh, secure the home of their dreams. Um, and that's where I am today. Ali Mahmoud also planned on going to university, but his high school basketball career took him to places he never expected. I actually went to Ottawa U for one year, and then I made it to Lebanon. It all started um, when in Lebanon, there were, the general manager of the team in Lebanon was like surfing the internet, trying to find uh, players for his team. So each country... Their league, they're allowed like a certain amount of foreigners and a certain amount of locals. So mo- most countries, they, they go outside and they, it's like a, you find, say like, I'm, I was Canadian, so I'm really a Canadian Lebanese, so I could count as a local. So it, it helps, you know what I mean? So ba- basically they, they found my name and they, they're like, this guy looks kind of uh, like a Lebanese name. Maybe we could find out and they checked my stats and I, I was like a very good rebounder. And they saw I was at Ottawa U and one of the, the managers had family in Ottawa. So they're like, maybe you could go to the university and try to get his uh, phone number and we could contact him and go from there. 
and they called and invited uh, me and my family to Lebanon who had a tryout, and they signed me. Ali was around 20 when he moved to Lebanon, his dad coming along to support him. Ali ended up playing in the Lebanese Basketball League, as well as for the national team there for almost 20 years. Ali was a I love this game. Shohal Ali Mahmoud Haida, with a seed of 18 points, and he will get a new one. Ali Mahmoud. Oh, 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 I love this game. Ali retired in 2019 and moved back to Ottawa. He says playing professional basketball opened up a lot of doors for him. I basically became a man over there. I I grew, um, I met my wife, I I have my kids because of my experience in Lebanon. I have so many friends from Lebanon that are situated around the world now. Uh, I got to go all over the world. I got to see how different cultures are. I, I got to see different places. It, it was just a blessing. And I, I don't want to say I took it for granted, but I, when it's all gone and you're, you're done, you really appreciate and, and you're thankful for, for being able. Not, not many people even get to leave the, the country they're in right now. So I saw many things and I'm happy to see them. Now Ali started his own business. Because of my whole life, I've been active in, in the fitness life. I started uh, a, a training pro, a training uh, business where I'm training people. I already have my first client and I'm, I just started going. So I'm excited about this and it, I get to experiment and, and use my passion for health uh, and fitness. Alain Vexamar's life after high school was also shaped by basketball, but not at first. After graduating, he initially signed up for a police foundations program at Algonquin College. I knew that I wanted to do something where I made a difference. I knew that I wanted to do something where uh, monetarily I'm able to have uh, you know, enough to be able to provide for my family. And I also knew that I didn't want to be stuck in an office. So those were kind of like the three criteria that kind of guided my decisions. Alain tried a number of jobs, from modeling to finance. When he was 28, he decided to go back to school. He studied education psychology, then got his master's in social work services at the University of Ottawa. What I learned as an adult is how powerful knowledge is. And how, especially when you're coming from... uh, modest background if you want social economically what allows you basically to overcome some of the systemic barriers is your knowledge and part of that is your education and that's why i think that it it became something very important to me um and looking back and saying be the change that you want to see and the change that i want to see is 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 more people reaching out to students and asking them you know i'm observing this What's going on with you? How can I help? Alain is now a social worker with the Ottawa Catholic French School Board. He no longer plays a lot of basketball, but for the last two years, he has coached in the Ottawa school system. So um, by coaching basketball, um, I think I did it pretty uh, explicitly at times, but I tried to use basketball as a tool to help shape young men um, and prepare them for what is to come. Uh, whether it be, you know, showing up on time at practice and how that relates to if you're going into the office and being on time, um, the discipline that you apply in practicing and, and coming to practice and giving it your all and how that applies also in the classroom um, to help them uh, basically develop skill sets that are going to help them on later on. So definitely use that as a tool in my work, uh, whether they know it or not. Alain? Dion and Ali. None of them went on to the NBA. They're not breakout sports stars with million-dollar deals. They're another kind of sports story. Through basketball and its teamwork, work ethic, and the friendships they built, they were all able to use their high school basketball experience to help them get ahead and build the lives they wanted on their own terms. But that was not the case for all the players from St. Pat's that year. I can just say that based from the high school that I went to, um, there's a lot of us who are dead right now. Um, 
there's a lot of us who are still fighting the criminal system for charges. And um, there's a lot of us that are extremely poor. Gary Pierre was on the team with Alain, Dion, and Ali. My name is Gary Stevens-Pierre. I was a power forward for the St. Pat Senior Boys basketball team for 1999-2000. Gary grew up in the south end of Ottawa. He says a lot of people who graduated from his high school and who were on teams before and after his struggled during and after school. He was one of them. After graduating, Gary wanted to continue playing basketball. Everybody who dribbles a ball thinks about playing in the NBA, so uh, that definitely crossed my mind uh, thousands of times. But again, it's um, so many few make it through, and uh, the ones who do make it through have to have a combination of that support. They have to have the talent, and they have to have a bit of luck all mixed together. And if you know one of those three elements aren't in place, then everything can fall apart very quickly. My hopes and dreams were to basically just get into a Division One college and further exploit um, what basketball could have brought to me had I kept on playing at a competitive level. Division One colleges are schools like Duke and Stanford, places that are seen as fast tracks to the NBA. As a child, if you're not knowing what your what the next steps are to get to the next level you don't know how to market yourself to do it gary sent out 150 resumes to junior colleges in the u.s he got four responses and ended up attending the state university of new york at canton for a year but he couldn't see a direct path to play competitive basketball based on scouting reports my only options were to go play uh, overseas and that kind of disappointed me and it kind of hit hard when I realized that that was the route that I was on because I had different expectations. When I looked at what was going on overseas, I was questionable about going out there. Um, I knew that contracts back then were only yearly contracts. So you'd have to try out for the team every year, kind of like what we had to do at St. Pat's. And I was just like, wow, do I really want to put myself through that again? <laughs> So um, I was very hesitant about going out there. Salaries were very normal. I guess the average player could maybe earn 50, 60 grand American a year, which felt like a normal job. You know, it didn't make you feel like the superstar you were dreaming to be. So um, there was a lack of motivation to go out there and, um, and do it, so I didn't. So after his student visa expired, Gary returned to Canada. I was expecting sports to take me somewhere, and when it didn't, I was left empty-handed and wondering, where do I go from here? And it was a little difficult to uh, to gauge all of that and find myself in all of that and uh, find new ways in life to be successful. So it led me to mixing with uh, bad crowds and getting involved in uh, criminal activity. Gary ran into trouble with the law in 2004 and after a lengthy legal process was convicted on charges related to debit card fraud. Yeah, I mean, all of a sudden I went from having basketball consuming my life to uh, the courthouse consuming my life. (laughs) He drifted for more than a decade between Ottawa and Gatineau, working as a mattress salesperson and then for a funeral home. Uh, just job after job after job after job and just, you know, bouncing around, you know, moving from one apartment to the other, apartment to a house, house back to an apartment, just juggling my entire life because uh, it, nothing was making sense anymore. You know, you're you're always looking next door to see if there's something else you can do to, to move forward or get to that goal. If it's not going to be sports, then what is that new goal going to be And trying to reach it. But Gary's encounters with the legal system would later lead him down a path he wouldn't have predicted in high school. I sat down at one point in time and decided that I needed to do something with my life and it needed to be something permanent and it needed to work. And I started making phone calls and asking questions. And, you know, I I, I still remember till this day I placed a phone call with the Law Society and asked them if it was possible to... Uh, practice law with a criminal record? And the answer was yes. Gary is now studying to be a lawyer, though he's still paying for his mistakes. 
Despite that phone call, in 2020, the Law Society of Ontario denied him a paralegal license because of his past convictions. Now he's supply teaching in northeastern Ontario and trying to pick up his life. I've learned a long time ago that no matter where I work, no matter what it is, I, I never have job security. I mean, it takes it takes nothing for someone to uh, turn around and place a phone call and just start, you know, talking. And before I know it, I'm being called into an office and being told that I'm being released, you know. Uh, so... Uh, the, the stigma never ends. This is one of 20 years that I've put on this, uh, I'll walk these steps. Okay to get some goosebumps, sir. <laughs> wow. Last fall, I visited the gym at St. Patrick's High School, and I was able to meet up with two of the players from that 1999 to 2000 team, Alain and Dion. For Alain, it was the first time he'd been back in 20 years, when we stepped inside, there was a big pause before anyone spoke. I didn't think it'd be—I uh, didn't think it'd be this emotional, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of emotion here. Like there was a lot of situations. It was uh, there was frustration. <laughs> there was uh, sadness. There was joy, happiness. It's uh, just so many situations, so many things that happened in this gym. It's just. Uh, was a chapter that I kind of put behind me to some degree, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, there was a lot of good, but there was some bad. Just going at it on the floor sometimes, just outspurts of just anger. Pe just, you know, sometimes people will just run, even me, just going out of the gym. I couldn't take it. I was just like, and just leaving, you know? Um, uh, but it's, uh, and that's why they often say, they say, Basketball not only shapes character, it reveals character. For us, it was sometimes it would reveal things about yourself, you know what I mean, uh, that you didn't know was there. But it was good, with being tested, being tested and pushed to your limits, you know what I mean? And, uh, and that, at least for me, that's what this did. Dion has been back to the gym many times since high school ended, but it still brings back strong memories. It's not the first time I've been in here, but I only bang on with the emotions, like bang on. Times where, you know, unfortunately when he says bad times, I'm thinking those times where we didn't have fans when we played here because, you know, we had police officers here and that was just the times, right? And then there's other times where this literal gym was at capacity and we had to push people out the door and, you know, and... It's, it's one of those things where it brings up a lot of emotions and, and um, I'm fortunate for it. But at the same time, I, like you said, I kind of I put it past me because of, you know, I don't want to dwell in the past, but I, I kind of also use it as motivation and knowing, you know what, I can achieve great things. Yeah. But as I say that, I kind of, unfortunately, I think sometimes we look at each other and we know like we failed in some regard because I think there's some people we could have brought along the way that just didn't. Since returning to Ottawa, Dion has tried to make up for that by organizing games and leagues to showcase talent, giving young players a chance to make it into colleges and universities, because he knows the impact playing basketball had on his own life. It's the single constant factor that's been in my life. Without basketball, I don't meet my wife because I don't go to university. Without basketball, I'm not on a nationally ranked basketball team. Without basketball, I don't have structure in my life as a team. I don't have a ton of relationships. I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking like out loud right now, it's, yeah, I'd be a completely different person. Um, unfortunately, saying that I would probably be, yeah, probably behind bars, or at least doing something that illegally that I shouldn't be. Um, because it gave me so much structure and allowed me to see, quote unquote, light at the end of the tunnel. Gary, for his part, now wants to help others avoid the same mistakes he made. So he's been working with vulnerable youth in Gatineau for the past five years. I want to show people that it is possible to have a past, but still build a future. And even though he has struggled since he left high school, he says playing basketball still helped him 
and continues to help him as he tries to become a lawyer. It's the reason why I'm back in school today. It's the reason why I still believe that um, goals can be achieved, um, happiness can be achieved, and um, that competitive edge is what continues to drive me today to make sure that I can continue to, to reach out to the goals that I, I want to reach out for and uh, continue to help anybody who, who might be going through something difficult in their life. Ali Mahmoud. It's more than just playing basketball. Uh, the team game, the, this teaches you in life to, to be able to teamwork. It teaches you teamwork, be able to, to, to communicate with people, be able to, to give and take. It kind of like shaped me into the person I am today. Life was good, and basketball was, was kind of the main reason for it. For Alain Vixamar, the lessons he learned through basketball transcend the sport. I remember one day I was at the free throw line and I was shooting the ball. And um, I'd like to say I was getting them all in. I'd like to say that, but I, I you know, I wasn't. <laughs> But it made me think about something, which is, you know, the ball goes where I send it to. And I can't get mad if it doesn't go in. And I think what basketball taught me is that I have a responsibility for where I want to be in my life. And I say this um, with consideration to people that are living with challenges. And I'm not saying that you have full control over your life. There's certain things, there's influences that shape our lives and, and, and acknowledge that. Um, what basketball has taught me is that I do have some form of power over my life and the direction of my life and how I want things to be. And it's something that I've applied in the classroom. It's something that I still apply uh, to my life today. If I want to accomplish something, what can I do to make that change happen? So all that is what basketball has taught me, you know, is that I have an influence on my life and, and I can potentially have an influence on other people's lives. But it's important for understand that I have a responsibility in that um, and that when you do, I mean, the sky's the limit in terms of what you can accomplish. That doc was produced by Jennifer Chen with Allison Cook. It was edited by Sherry Okeke with me, AC Rowe. Special thanks this week to Christine Mackey at CBC Ottawa. There were many more players Jennifer talked to from the team who we couldn't include in this story. But you can see photos of them as well as Dion, Alain, and Ali on our website. We're at cbc.ca slash docproject. That's all for us this week. The Doc Project is produced by Allison Cook, Tanara McLean, Kevin Ball, Joan Weber, and me. Althea Manassin is our digital producer, and our senior producer is Sherry OKK. I'm AC Rowe. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.